it kind of reminds me of, you know, like when you go grocery shopping and you plan your meals and you eat well, or you go to the drive through at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people that are looking for a love story, not a relationship. And there's a very, very big difference. You know, if we're, if we're looking for the, the love story, I'm not your girl. I'm a matchmaker, not a magician. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. Everyone says you should work on your relationship but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Luann Ward. Luann Ward is a, a dating coach and millionaire matchmaker out of Australia. We thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Luann. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. So before we get into matchmaking and dating and everything like that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, I grew up with my father and, you know, we came from the UK into Australia when I was five years old and I have three sisters. My mum left the same year, my mum left my father the same year we arrived in Australia. So we were very isolated as kids and I remember watching the transition of my father and what he went through and just seeing him change from this uh, light-hearted fun man to this um, you know serious side of him which you know getting exposed to at such a young age and then seeing him light up when women were around so it was quite interesting and I think that void of of love and having a mother there to to give you the nurture and you know the affection and whatever created a void and a void creates a value right so I I just remember when I was around about seven I thought I never want anyone to go without love I'm going to do whatever I can to help people find love and yeah since I was 21 I've been working in the love industry Wow. Wow. That's, That's interesting. very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so is there a certification you go through? Is it just a passion or a calling? Look, I have done a lot of, a lot of work in human behavior. I am a certified matchmaker with the Matchmaking Institute in New York, actually. So we do a lot of training mm -hmm. through there. I did a year long course to get a, a you know, master's certification, but I also am, a Martini. I don't know whether you're familiar with Dr. Martini. 
No, no, we're not he's familiar. Amazing. So I really recommend that you have a look at his, his stuff because the information that he, especially his work in relationships and dealing with past trauma, because I think so much of our past can affect all of our relationships and trigger our relationships moving forward. And yeah, so I've done maybe five years continuous study on you know everything from body language to the way we communicate different aspects of human behavior so yeah there's a lot of a lot of work that goes in a lot of study that goes in as you know wow absolutely yes absolutely mm -hmm. yes yeah. there's a lot to know about relationships that's for sure <laughs> and it's ever evolving because um this the voids in society just keep getting further and further and further I don't know, away from human connection with so much mm -hmm. technology. And it's, it's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely is. It, you know, so you, you kind of have a unique perspective on dating and how, mm -hmm. you know, couples are finding each other in today's day and age. I was wondering if you could share some of those trends that you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. So funny because when I first started working in the industry, there was no computer on my desk, let alone Google. <laughs> and so you go through the transition of uh, going from one form of technology to the next. And I think that it, these days it's just a given that when people are single, a vast majority of them are going to turn to technology to to meet somebody, to dating apps, to online dating. And it's never been easier, actually, to, to meet somebody when you think about it. You can pick up your phone wherever you are 24-7 and connect with somebody and pretty much have a date for the same night. But I think people are forgetting why they're actually doing it. You know, dating is almost become a recreation. Yeah. Can, can you talk more about that? Like... You know, what do you mean by they don't know why they're doing it anymore? Okay. Well, people say, oh, I'm not quite sure what I'm looking for. So, you know, I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet some people and, you know, eventually I'll meet somebody that I just, you know, that really clicks with. And, you know, when I meet somebody that really clicks with, and I guess, you know, I'm open to a relationship. So what happens is they come out of relationships and you would see this a, a, a lot in the mentality of, you know, getting under someone to get over someone. You know, we've all heard of that mm -hmm. analogy. And so what happens is before they've healed, they start looking for the next for the next person to make them feel better. So they start dating. Mm. And they can really lift you up and raise you up to a, a lot of degrees. All of a sudden someone's listening to you and you've got something to do and... I don't know, you've got the validation and that can be quite an attractive thing. So what happens after a while is that people are just dating without any intention. They don't know what their intention is. And you know, I'll often speak to people in a coaching capacity and they will literally, when you're talking about their hobbies or their interests or what they like to do, you know, Friday night is, oh, I've got a date with this person and Saturday I'm catching up with this next person and I'm catching up with this Personally, you can go one weekend and have three or four different people that you're meeting. It's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of, 
you know, like when you go grocery shopping and you plan your meals and you eat well, or you go to the drive-thru at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're in that place where you're just desperate or, or, or longing or sad or lonely mm-hmm. and you're just just yeah. trying to connect with anyone as opposed to being really intentional about what you're looking for. And I think you, you know, that's such a great point because it's really, it's really very, very obvious that people do that, but they actually don't realize that they're doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. They're trying to right. fill something, in, get something from somebody else to fill a gap inside of them mm-hmm. and a void inside of them. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I uh, tell the women that I work with that they're on the one year plan. Like once they go through a breakup, one year, get to know yourself, you got to heal and you will become the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. And then you'll attract that. Yes. And I think we all, you know, coming out of a relationship, a wise question to ask yourself, as I am right at this moment, would I want to date me? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Would I date myself right here, right now? And I think that a lot of people have very well-meaning friends and parents and kids that say, oh, you're fabulous, you know, you, you're ready, you should go and meet somebody, you deserve to have somebody really great. And that's true, but it's not the best advice right? that somebody can have when they've just come out of a relationship, certainly. How does someone work with a matchmaker? Like, how does that whole process work? When somebody comes to me, I, I'm going to first of all make sure that they're actually relationship ready. And one of the reasons I've been a matchmaker for nearly three decades, so I've actually really seen the, how society has changed and people's expectations in a relationship and how elevated our expectations are even compared to you know 30 years ago. So they will go through quite an extensive discovery process which normally takes me about two hours of one-on-one time with them there's also about an hour of collective information prior to them coming in and during the discovery process I'll actually find the I don't know the suitability of how ready somebody is and what their intentions are there's a lot of people that are looking for a love story not a relationship (laughs) And there's a very, very big difference. You know, if we're, if we're looking for the, the love story, I'm not your girl. I'm a matchmaker, not a magician. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, yeah, I would go through that process. I like to coach with people before I start matchmaking them. And I, I put it into most of my programs and people say, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. I don't need that. And usually within a few weeks after a match, that, oh, hang on a minute, maybe maybe I should have one of those sessions. When I actually match people, I'm going to look at a lot of different things. I'm not going to just look at, oh, look, uh, you both like scuba diving and tennis. It's a match. It's, <laughs> there's, a <lot> of things, <laughs> there's a lot of things that go into it and a lot of things that people think that they want is really not what's going to give them a complementary relationship. And a relationship, as you know, is about complementary similarities and complementary opposites. Mm -hmm. And without those, 
you're really not going to be able to make a relationship work. So I go through quite an extensive process. I have a client that says to me, uh, she's been in a relationship with somebody I put her in for about four years. And we celebrate every year. We just get together and have a glass of bubbles. And she says, I often tell my friends, Luanne, you know, they should come and see you. Go tell Luanne what you want. She gives the exact opposite and you fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you keep getting what you want, then you've already been doing that. It hasn't well, been working. Exactly, because people are quite infatuated with themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is everything that they seem to like about themselves, they look for that mirror in a, in a partner. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you then have a one-sided relationship because it's important to look at all the areas of life and you know, I work with seven areas of life and find out where people are empowered, what areas of life they're actually empowered in and where their voids are. Because our partner is there to fill the greatest amount of our voids. And we're there to do the same for them. But if we're too much alike, one person ends up subordinating to the other person. So you have a um, you know, an overshadowing effect. At first, it can be really exciting, but someone will end up being suppressed. Often, I don't know, you know, about you, but I often find that women are, are become really empowered, you know, in the workplace and, and really coming into their own. And they'll say things like, oh, you know, I just need my man to step up. I have to do everything. I have to make all the decisions. He's he's become weak. He's lazy. He's not, you know, he's not pulling his weight in the relationship. And that's because if you've got one person in a and they're too similar and they overshadow, somebody's naturally going to take the top dog position. Mm-hmm. And this is why you don't want to have too many similar too many similarities. And then competition happens in the relationship and their adversaries versus united partners. Absolutely. And it becomes a who's going to win competition. Well, he hasn't done that, so I'm going to not do this. Right. And if he wants me to do this, then he's going to need to compromise by doing this. And this starts the breakdown and resentment in a relationship. So when you're doing these assessments, you are looking for that kind of dynamic, like how do they, um, where does power reside within themselves, right? Are they empowered? Do they try to take control, you know, in their relationships and then trying to find a match, a counterpart for that person? Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do. And look, I can tell you so many funny little stories about five weeks ago I have a new client they've taken on and she tells me exactly what she's looking for in a partner and of course we've got to add on that tall dark and handsome to the list okay because <laughs> you know because we all want short bald and you know overweight that's not what the story you know, fairy tales are so she tells me oh, I want this guy and he's this and he's this and he's this and you know I've always been attracted to the darker you know, that dark complexion and that tall man, because, you know, I like to wear heels. And so I gave her her first match, which I really, as she's sitting with me, I work, I'm a very intuitive person, so I work a lot with my intuition and, well, you're going to get that after doing your job for a very long time. 
So I give her her first match and she rings me and she says, oh, you know, we talked on the phone, we got on really well, so excited, we got our first date planned. He sounds great, can't wait to meet him. Two hours later, I get a text message. I don't know what makes you think that this is a match for me, but I've had a look, you know, I, I looked at him on the internet now I'm just not attracted to him because she's Google stalked him. She's found his photo and she said, <laughs> I'm not interested. <laughs> now she's cranky because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, well, I told you I like the dark features and he's not, you know, and he's not tall enough for me. He's five foot nine. She's five foot four. I think that this is okay. So anyway, She's cranky. She's, I don't want to meet him. I'm going to pull, pull out of the date because I just know there'll be no attraction. After the conversation I had with her, she decided to go along and meet him. But the conversation went something like, well, if you want to control everything, go back online. But when you're going to pay me to do a job, let me do my job. Because mm-hmm. matchmaking is a process. I'm only going to get it right once. This is what you paid me for, once. But to get to that one, I have to understand who you are and what you're all about on every level, not just on the physical level. Anyway, Saturday night, I get the photo of them celebrating. We're celebrating our one-month anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) So the the physical attraction would become such a visual society. Mm -hmm. And... Physical attraction is is important. I'm not negating that there has to be a level of attraction, but attraction builds very, very differently than just a first just a first glance. And so I'm trying to break people's perceptions on what keeps a relationship together. Yeah, they limit themselves before they even have the door open. And you know, you can be a very attractive person and not a really good mate. And you yes. can be a really good mate and not be so attractive. And, you know, it's like those deposits into the relationship make someone more attractive. And then Absolutely. you get that bonding in your brain, right? The, the dopamine hits associated with that person and you start that connection. And that's really changes everything. And, you know, when all you have is some, the way someone looks, you have no information. Yeah. Well, looks don't keep you together. No, Mm-mm. looks are not. No, all the Hollywood people are all divorced <laughs> <laughs> because they don't keep you together. They're not going to sustain mm-hmm. a relationship. And I think, and I'm sure that you've experienced experienced it as well. That we live in a very androgynous society. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no specific need in relationships and without a need, you're not gonna go into the relationship. And I think that one of the the greatest misconceptions that that women are bringing to the table these days and say, well, I don't need a man, you know, I've got a good job, I can support myself, I can do everything I need to do. So I don't need a man, but I really, I'd like a man, I'd want a man, but without a need, where's he gonna gonna fit? And when, when we've eaten our breakfast, we don't need food for another few hours and potentially if we didn't eat for another few days, we'd be okay, but eventually we're going to need that food. So our need levels kind of change, but without need, there's no desire for a man to do anything for you. So 
And, and because we are, you know, we have so much masculine and feminine energy these days, that, and, and that's not a gender, nothing to do right. mm-hmm. with gender, but women are very much in their masculine energy because you're going out to work, you're making decisions, you're solving problems, you're learning, you're growing, you're then oftentimes coming home, looking after the house, bringing up the kids, doing the meals, keeping everything together. And you have to have high testosterone levels to be able to do that. Right. And so you're constantly in this masculine state. Mm. If you don't know how to get back into the the feminine, then, you know, you you stay in that state. And and the, the point of attraction, even though you might look beautiful, the point of attraction is still very masculine energy. So you're going to attract a, a, a mate that has lower mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. testosterone levels. David Dida, he wrote a book called The Way of the Superior Man. And he talks about that masculine and feminine energy and how there has to be a polarity within a relationship. That's where the spark and the passion comes from. And if both people are more masculine, then there's, there's no movement, there's no energy. And if they're both feminine, same, same thing, right? And so it's that dance between the two energies that give the life of that relationship, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you're talking about. And I think that is something you can't get from looking at a Tinder profile, right? You, you have to be in the same room with a person and to feel, you know, attraction is more than just looks. It's about that energy that we feel when we are near that person. Yes, exactly. And it, it, you know, this is why we call it chemistry as well, because, you know, it, when you're actually attracted to somebody and you get the rewards, you get the dopamine, you get the dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. What happens is people giving those rewards way too quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah as well so there's no motivation to to get to know the person mm-hmm. because everybody's just looking for that next hit people don't date very well people don't know how to connect mm. very well they don't know how to have conversations in each other's values and to try and identify what someone's values might be and i think also we talk about values a lot of times as, as being things that are, are really actually human traits of kindness and integrity and you know, being uh, intelligent. And, you know, there, there are a lot of human traits, but our values are based on how we live our life, how we treat people, where do we spend our time, our money, our energy, what do we think about, dream about. These are what represents our values. And people can have a conversation in on a date. And if they're not together for around about two hours, they're not going to connect. And this is why coffee dates, the whole coffee date revolution, I'm such a, I don't know, in a fight against, don't do the coffee date. <laughs> it's like already having one foot out the door. Yeah. You, it's already actually saying to the person, I don't think it's going to work. You've got 20 minutes to impress me. Right. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. And, and, who and you're not having fun. Yeah. And you're not yeah. having a new experience that involves all your senses. Exactly, there's no shared experience. Yeah, and and that is what bonds us together mm-hmm. is to have a shared experience, to enjoy something, and to have a, a motivation to want to do it again. 
Absolutely. So you talked about your intuition, which of course, right. That's um, you have to be able to read into what we can't really see on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Is there some science behind some of the work you do? Absolutely. So I will use a collection of three, three, four, five <laughs> different things. And it's a, it's a really powerful combination to to really help people because first of all you've got their perception of themselves okay so they're going to give me a quite an extensive perception of themselves I'm then going to talk to them and uncover a, a lot of things and so while that process is happening people will start popping into my mind I always listen to those that's why I don't read someone's details before they come in I say to them so did you have a chance to do your profile they're like yeah yeah I say oh good I haven't read it <laughs> so look, you haven't read it. it took me an hour <laughs> so, so I don't read it purposely because then I've got a misconception a, a preconceived idea of who they are and what they're all about so during that process of talking to them if people don't pop into my mind for them I'm going to be reluctant to take them on as a client because mm. that's usually my gut telling me there's some sort of you know, red flag zone in here for some reason. And whenever I do take someone on, when I, I haven't got that instant, this person, this person, this person, I'm always proved right. Then I'm going to actually research. I do a lot of research as well. So the people that I've initially you know, connected with in my mind, I'm going to actually then go and research and think, does this make, make sense? Do they have enough complementary similarities and enough complementary opposites? Does it make sense? Have I created a situation that if they were motivated enough to want to get to know each other, could this relationship work? And that would look like things like um, if he doesn't want to have children and she wanted to have children, well, mm. that's too much of a block. It's not going to. It's not going to work. Um, you know, do you have really different religious beliefs and backgrounds? Because that's going to be a bit of a block. So there is going to be common sense in a matchmaking process as well. And then I've got a a great tool also because I have feedback from clients. So it's like every person comes with references. No, if you've had a date with somebody and the feedback I collect from people is is a lot after each date and it will be things like, okay, where did you go? When did you meet? Who paid for the date? Are you having a second date? If not, why not? Because I really am an advocate for the second date being more important than the first. So there better be a good reason that you're not having a second date because you agreed to this. And... And then I'm going to ask, what did you identify as somebody's, you know, three best qualities? What do, what do you believe are their three best qualities? Because if they can't identify redeemable features in somebody else, they're really suffering themselves. Because mm-hmm. we know that the person in front of us is only a reflection of, of ourselves in all right. cases, mm-hmm. all the things we like about ourselves and the things we don't like about ourselves. Then I will then break it down and start looking at, how did you find this person's personality? How did you find the ease of conversation? How did you find their manners? How did you find their, their, 
the way they dressed? Was it suitable in the content context of, of the date? If you're going to go in flip-flops, we call them thongs, but if you go in flip-flops to a date, I'm not going to be happy unless it was a hot day and you were having lunch and then taking a walk on the beach. I'm okay with that. So when you get the feedback, the first bit of feedback you get on someone, you say, okay. But after a while, you start making the links because you can look at a number of different people's feedbacks into that person. And so you will start seeing where the strengths and weaknesses are and, and start working with them to bring their best version of themselves to the table. You must have a, a very large database to draw from of people that you're thinking about. You know, the funny thing is, is that I changed the model of my business several years ago. We've just become so burnt out with people's expectations. And it doesn't matter what someone paid you, whether they've paid you this much or whether they've paid you this much. They all have the expectation that, well, I've paid you, now it's your problem, you find me the person. And if you don't, you must be bad at your job, not, <laughs> not that there's something that I'm not doing. And so I changed my business model to only work with people that have a high value in relationships. And the, the millionaire matchmaker label is more about me wanting to make you feel like a million dollars. Not that you need to be a millionaire to use my service, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll work with anybody that has that desire to actually show up as the best version of themselves to have a relationship. So I have my database and I'm, I'm very fortunate because I've been in the industry for a very long time. So when I go to match somebody, I will have a my active clients and I will match an active client with an active client. And that's the first bit of my database that I will go into. But then I have an, a, an affiliate database as well of people that I've worked with you know, for a very long time. So when I'm going to look for a match for somebody, I'm going to go into my current members. I'm going to go into clients that might have been a member. That's, you know, I, I matched somebody recently who I had already put in a relationship. They had a relationship for 14 years and that relationship ended. And what's he going to do? He, why would I go somewhere else? I'm going to come back. So then I'll work with my network of people as well. A matchmaker as, as a headhunter, it's very, very different than a, a dating agency platform who just relies on their database. Mm. I don't just rely on my database. I rely on my do networks. Think, do you think there's a law of attraction where they both are attracted to working with you and therefore they come to you around the same time and, and they couldn't find each other a different way? Jane, I love that you say that. I mean, we when we talk about the law of attraction, a lot of people think this is woo-woo or whatever. But I say to people, if your intention is to get into a relationship and his intention or her intention is to get into a relationship, why wouldn't it work? Right, mm. yeah. Because... If you actually have an intention to get into a relationship, I will put you in a relationship. But if you want a love story, if you're looking for a, the notebook, you know, I'm, I'm all out of that. And if you're looking for a fantasy, 
of being swept off to you know some fairy tale I'm all out of that as well so but if you have a reality of what a relationship really looks like I'll find it for you and if I don't know how long that will take I don't know what the journey is I don't know what lessons you need to learn I don't know what is still undone there for you but if you stay with it, you're going to find somebody. So you don't work with people that would be on the show The Bachelor, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get me, don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah, so because I, I, I have worked with somebody who was on Married at First Sight. <laughs> yeah, don't get us started on that. <laughs> you know, you said the notebook, and I'm like, yeah, you have to write your notebook. You don't go live someone else's notebook right you have yeah. and, and what <laughs> it's true because what cracks me up about that as well is i'm sorry i'm pretty sure that they had these you know yeah. rocky ups and downs in there of trials and tribulations which we have have you heard of the heart math institute no i have not so it's a place that i think it's in california where they they literally track your heart and they find where the wisdom is in your heart and they do like biofeedback and other kinds of things. And they, that Institute says that it takes 180 seconds for you to know if that's your person. And we interview couples on our podcast all the time and we hear it over and over again. Mm -hmm. When did you know this was your person? Like right away. And I wonder if that's true for you, that when you're sitting there across from someone, you know, oh, that's your person. Yes, but, and a lot of time it is so much like that, but people are so blocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They can't see their person. Mm -hmm. You can only have your point of attraction from whatever vibration that you happen to be on in any period of time. So your person can be in front of you and you won't be able to connect with them because you're on different different frequencies all together yeah. and and we can't get on the same frequency with something we can't hear and see something properly if we're on a completely different frequency what people put into their mind of what they want it's their head that messes them up not their heart the heart never gets it wrong yeah and, and all of the uh, messages that we get constantly instead of intuitively, you know, you get them from ads and stuff like that. And it's, um, it's not real people in a normal community that make good sense. It's, it's like you said, just a snapshot vision of something. It doesn't work. It's not, there's no substance. I imagine that's where the, the pre-coaching comes into play is helping them stop blocking themselves. Exactly. And to say, Figure out what you want. If you want an actual relationship, you can have somebody that's really good looking because this is how we're going to go through our search image. You know, we have something that we put in our mind of this is what I want and we're going to go through this different level of tiers, if you like. First of all, we want to be attracted to the person. So if we find the person appealing physically, we're then going to want to make sure that we have some sort of intellectual connection with them that we can talk to them and have some banter we are then going to look at social status unfortunately this is so far up the scale of what we are pitching for 
a partner for ourselves. And we will look at, is this person going to bring me more pain or pleasure? Is mm. this person going to be accepted by my friends? Can they help my social status or are they going to lower my social status? Then we're going to look for things like, um, do we have some sort of similarity? Do we have some goals and plans for the future? Uh, do we, does this person like me? Are they going to have my back? Do we have that heart connection? But what will happen is most people go into relationships based on the first three without really considering the chemistry and the, and I'm not talking about the physical chemistry, I'm talking about the heart chemistry, the being able to walk through life together and, and have each other's back and have the same sort of beliefs about the way you treat people and your mission. They're the things that keep relationships together. Those sort of compatibilities keep relationships together. The looks won't, the status won't, the, you know, just having a good conversation with the person and being able to banter won't. They're helpful to get you connected, to get you attracted, but they're not things that keep a relationship bound. And yeah, so coaching with people. And I think that every person, and, and you, you're going to have to agree with this one, that they do the coaching at the wrong end of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. When it starts falling apart, mm-hmm. <laughs> you should be coaching the whole way through your relationship. Tune-ups, little mini tune-ups all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I was wondering, do you run into different challenges helping a single person find a mate versus someone who has divorced or a relationship has fallen apart. Now they're, they're trying to get back into the dating world. Gosh, that's a really interesting question. It's a great question. If single people, we'll talk about the, in the thirties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this is arguably in my perception, the most important decade for dating if you do not get this decade right, it's going to shape the rest of your life mm. in, you know, in, a, in a very significant way because if you want to have children, there's biological windows of opportunity to have children. And, and women, yes, we can have children without a man and so a lot of women are going down that, that road. But if you want to have that partnership, and build that sort of life together. You need to be able to connect with somebody in your 20s or 30s to be able to do that. And for a lot of successful people, so they've you know, gone to school and they've done college, university, they've got these careers and they've put all of their focus and energy into, into their career. And they've never really spent that time understanding themselves. It's all been about that that fight and all of a sudden they'll get to 35, 36, 37 and say, wow, I need to to find a partner. Are they harder? In a lot of ways, yes, it's going to be harder because there's this sense of, I don't like to use the word desperation, but there's a sense of different level of investment and importance and so what will happen is you'll meet somebody and think, well, okay, so what, you know, so, so what do you want? What, what, what's going to happen? Are you going to, you know, how many babies do you want to have? And, and there's no fun. 
And so there's this quite this need to try to check off all the boxes before you've even had a chance to, to, to really connect and see where this person would be right for you. So in a lot of ways, yes, that, and especially if these people have dated a lot, mm-hmm. if they've been online and they go, oh, well, you know, well, you know I've met 127 people and, <laughs> wow, I don't work on the theory of numbers. I work on the exact opposite. It usually takes me about eight matches to get somebody into a relationship. So that's my law of averages. Somebody that's already been in a relationship and they've come out of that, if they're prepared to do the work to heal of whatever, Mm. and then you must find it. Dr. A, do you find that when somebody has holding on to a story in a relationship, my ex-partner did X, Y, Z. And they're they're holding on to that trauma, I call it trauma drama. And once somebody gets like that, it's very, very hard to break that. So if if they're not prepared to break that trauma, it's it's almost impossible to get them into a relationship. Yeah, Yeah, we always, you know, when we're working with a couple, we're like, our main goal is not your relationship. It's that you become whole and healthy people and learn what you're supposed to learn from each other. Otherwise, you're just going to repeat it somewhere else if you break up. That's a great philosophy because it's absolutely true. Your partner's not there, you know, for you to feel better. Mm -hmm. Your responsibility is to feel better. You be whole, you be complete. And don't make it the partner's responsibility to do or do not do something because that's been needy. And I think, yeah, no one's going to take care of you if you refuse to take care of you. Do you notice the difference? You've been doing this a very long time in the way that society is shaping human beings. So, you know, one of the things that we see a lot is that, you know, when we were kids, we went outside and played and we had to work on relationships. And when we got something, it was really special. And now they say like kids collect toys instead of play with toys and all of their play dates their moms are there or a coach or an adult and they the kids aren't figuring it out amongst each other so why in their 20s or 30s would they know how to do something without someone watching yes such a such a brilliant point and it is so true we and not being resilient enough to solve our own. Yes. Uh, our own, I don't like to say problems, our own challenges. And we've all seen it. You see a kid that falls off their bike and, and they kind of get up and then they look around to see who's looking at them falling off the bike. And as soon as they see that mum's looking, then they'll cry. Right. They were, they were fine until they had that support. There's too much support. And it, it makes people juvenilely dependent. And I did an article a few, a few years ago, actually. I should send it to you. Why your parents are to blame for you being single. <laughs> <laughs> and because parents are living very vicariously mm-hmm. through their children's lives as well, so everything that they feel that they missed out on, they, they're giving to these kids. 
Yeah. Oh, you're so beautiful. You, you're a princess. You deserve a man that's going to, you know, treat you like this. And no one's going to love you as much as your daddy loves you. And unfortunately, you put this into a child's mind. As they grow up, they think that they are a princess. Now, in their exterior world, they don't. But in their interior world, they do. Mm-hmm. Hang on a minute. This is how my daddy treated me. He put me on a pedestal. He did this. He always did this. He always did that. You know, and he never yelled at me. And they've got a fantasy that they've created around what they think that they deserve mm-hmm. rather than what the reality is of a relationship. So, and our parents are giving us so much ballet lessons, swimming lessons, I don't know, dancing lessons, soccer, football. It's, it's out of control. One of the things that, you know, we always talk about is relationships that are fulfilling are about what you can give, not what you can get. And I, I, I see all these families and when it's Christmas, I'm like, do the children give out gifts? And they're like, oh no, we just give everything to the kids. Like you don't teach them how to give. You don't teach them what they have to offer. And so when we see couples coming in and they're struggling with that competition of, you know, what can I take from the relationship? You know, we are having to almost reparent them mm-hmm. and teach mm-hmm. them how to wow. give back <laughs> to their partner, how to show consideration, right? And that giver's gain kind of attitude. And that's it. It's, it's all reparenting from our mm-hmm. perspective at this point. Yeah. And then another great point because how can love ever be missing? When people say, well, you know, I'm lonely. I don't have anybody, I've got nobody to love. I'm like, well, love's a giving thing. Mm -hmm. You get to give it to whoever you want. If you're dependent on getting it back in order for you to feel good, well, that's a completely different story altogether. But the narrative you need to have is that how can love be missing? It is yours to give. Give it to whoever you want, whenever you want. Excuse me. So So you can't ever be. Do you work with people only in person or do you work virtually? Oh, no, no. I work virtually as well. So you can match up anywhere? I can. So I, we in the Matchmaking Institute, I mean, it's tricky at the moment because we can't travel. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're very, we're in a very different world right now. But I have, in the Matchmaking Institute, what we do is we will work and collaborate together to have the biggest offline database. So I had somebody reach out to me in the UK yesterday and she has a client that lives in in Melbourne and she's like, Do you, you know, are you able to help me find someone for my client in Melbourne? Mm. So I'll take on that. You know, we, we collaborate because it's all about, it's all about spreading the love. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's wonderful. Yeah. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way? To get a hold of me, you can get onto my social handles, my Twitter, um, Facebook. I have a great Facebook group actually called She Said, He Said. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'll put tricky questions up, you know, just questions that come up in day-to-day life and I'll just get the perspective of male and female so that they can see that we're not against each other. Your opinions and your your views are not 
male against female. You know, men feel the same way. Women feel the same way. It's, mm-hmm. it's against different things. So connecting with me through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I would recommend that it's the easiest way. And what is the, what's the handle in Twitter and okay. Facebook? So Twitter is Luann Ward underscore. Okay. Facebook, just Luann Ward. And the same with Instagram, but all lower, all lowercase. So if you put Luann Ward into to Google, you're going to get onto my websites with a couple of different websites on my email list. And I send out a lot of great content around dating and relationships. So I'd love to share that. Awesome. We'll, we'll put those links in the show notes too, after the editing. And What would you that. say to someone considering using a matchmaker? Let the matchmaker do the job. If you're going to consider, you know, using a matchmaker, they've got experience. They know, they understand they're on your side. They want you to find relationships. So just breathe and realize that you're coming into your feminine energy of receiving Okay, because you have to be able to receive and you've got to be able to give equally. So give up a little bit of the control, put your trust into the to the matchmaker and keep your heart open. Wonderful. Yeah. Louie, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been very enlightening. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, you know, I'd love to invite you back onto my podcast, which I've just started the first few episodes. So I'm going to enjoy having you, you guys join me as well. Great. That's awesome. That'd be fun. So we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today and and for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Home Study Course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. And until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.